back, everybody, to a post-vacation for me, post-interview episode for all of us episode of... We've had an episode since the interview. We've had how many episodes since the interview? We've had one. Oh, well... <laughs> but you're still in vacation mode, I get yes. it. Yes. Uh, episode <laughs> of Handbook for Handbook for Mortals, a weekly deep dive into Lanny Serum's handbook for mortals uh this is another very special episode uh can <laughs> despite all super special well yeah they're all i mean and insofar as we as a podcast have gone back and forth on our official stance on drugs um this being a very <laughs> special episode we have to say don't do drugs kid instead let's talk more about our podcast muse Lanny Lanny Serum's conduct Mm. in the interviewing space so to peel back the curtain as James said he was on vacation last week so the episode that came out no sorry two weeks I don't know whenever this came out there was a week that James was on vacation so we recorded two episodes in one week and some random stuff happened while we were while we took that week kind of quote-unquote off so this may seem a little now backdated for some of it but whatever it's fine we're still going to talk about it anyways i don't care so to start with uh lanny serum recently did a podcast or radio call in i'm not entirely sure which one it is um to discuss the controversy of her book where uh do you know where you found this so it was being promoted on twitter um a fan of the show sent me the link to listen to it uh, and then we commiserated as we both listened to it together. Um, and then I had to listen to it again because I lost my notes from the first time I listened to it. So uh, they it kind of talked about, it started talking about like how she got into kind of writing and everything like that, which was not really anything new except for now that she says that she used to be a figure skater, which like before the Olympics I had never heard. But again, wasn't also looking for this information. So whatever, um, take that what you will. Um, so she has apparently been writing screen plays since she was 11. Um, it sounded like she was going to talk about how she and Thomasy and Nichols met, but didn't. Like, it was kind of a weird transition. But she did talk about him being a part of the movie. Uh, he is going to be in a lead role, but not a love interest, which I think you and I have discussed. He's going to play Tad. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is because he is a very Tad person. Um, which so she can't have... describe Tad in non-Tad terms, even in real life. Uh, pretty much. Um, and the other part of that is that it's going to be the biggest budget film he's ever helped produce. So uh, he doesn't want to be in the lead. And also he is not physically the lead love interest type. Um, but he also, Tad has more lines than one of the love interests. You can guess which one. So, like, it's technically a bigger role than one of the love interests. Again, you can probably guess which one. Um, are you not going to guess? Oh, um, I thought that was a rhetorical question. Jackson. I mean, it was, but I just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Making sure you're still awake, James. No, no, no. I was, I was thinking. Um, Jackson, C.S. Lewis. Uh, no, C.S. Lewis has a lot of lines in this book. Probably. So, 
then she talked about, you know, how the plain white tees came to be involved in the book and if they're going to be doing the movie. And apparently they will be in the movie uh, as long as they're not, you know, on tour, as long as their schedules allow Mm -hmm. for it. The original screenplay apparently didn't have a band until she started managing 100 Monkeys and they got asked to be in a movie that eventually, I think the scene either didn't work out or they got cut. Um, so the band originally was supposed to be 100 Monkeys and he was Jackson that is from 100 Monkeys, but then she changed the character's name, that's but then realized that, that that's Jackson mean. is more of an appropriate, he is a Jackson, which, Okay. That's really unsettling that you would write <clears throat> a fictionalized version of a band into <laughs> this sort of thing and have the lead singer as a love interest and then cast the actual band in the movie. So apparently it was supposed to be a cameo and he was not supposed to be a love interest, but she decided she wanted to add a love triangle in because she wanted it geared more towards the YA audiences. Excuse me. Um, We debate every week as to whether or not that was successful, so we don't have to do it now. Apparently, the average age for the people who own this book is, you know, 30 fucking six years old in hardcover. (laughs) Okay, but to be fair, like... I... Can... I know you can get an Amazon account under the age of 18 because I've had my Amazon account since 2001 or 2002 and I definitely didn't turn 18 in 2002. Um, But I think I got it because I got like gift cards and shit. So there's a good chance it's like people buying it for their kids. I suppose. I suppose so. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about it. Sure. Um, So then she went into, I have moved my notes too far. Uh, that people are angry at her because she wrote it as a script first. Now, this was news to me. I I don't think I've come across anything, but I also have not read all 769 articles that have been done about her, apparently. Um, But apparently people are angry that it was a script first, and all I could think of is, like, novelizations are a thing. I don't think that that's... I think novelizations are a little less appreciated as literary works or whatever. I I, I don't think Alan Dean Foster was knocking down anyone's door to write the novelization of the movie Handbook for Mortals. (laughs) My first novelization was that uh, uh, Hugh Jackman um, Dracula Van Helsing movie, I think. Was it Hugh Jackman? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the movie that was solved by a mad magazine folded. Yep. Yes. Um... So her selling point really is that the book and the movie will be exactly the same, that you won't be able to notice any difference between the two. And we can't really talk about that because the movie is not out. Um, But, you know, something to keep in mind for when we eventually see it. Um, She does want to have a female director. Okay. And she thinks that her book and film are very female positive. And she talks about how there just aren't, oh, there's not a, a director attached to it yet. They're in talks. But the one that she seems to be wanting, she said, may or may not have been part of a book series that became a popular movie series. I have no idea. Well, okay, you've got you've got 50, 50 Shades, 
You've got Fifty Shades Fire. There's no way that it is. Uh, oh God, I can't think of her name. Sam something something. She's married to the guy that played Kick Ass. But there's no way I would see her being like, "I'm out. I'm never doing an indie based book again." Um, oh, which director are you talking about? The... Oh, it's Sam. Well, what got... movie did she? Direct. She did Fifty Shades, the first Fifty Shades. Okay. Um, you also so you've also got the Divergent series, which which uh, bombed. Right. Um, the uh, Hunger Games. So I'm wondering if it is Hunger Games, but I don't actually know who directed the first Hunger Games. Sam Taylor Johnson is the she did she is did the Fifty, 50 Shades. Shades. Yeah, I really like her as a director. Really? What um, else has she done? Shit, I knew you were going to ask me this, and I cannot think off the top of my head. Um, Gary Ross uh, directed The Hunger Games. Okay, so then it's not Gary Ross. So yeah, if we can figure it out, we'll figure it out. Exactly. But, uh, again, there's no way this movie's coming out this year. I think she's finally said it's coming out next year because there's still no director. So... Um, but she kept talking about how she wanted to write roles for herself and that there are not a lot of female-based projects, female-positive projects and things like that. And all I could think of is, like, your book is not female-positive. Your female, your book is about one girl and shits on every other female in this world. But I then sat down and wrote off the top of my head every female movie that I could think of from 2017 and then double-checked to see which one were actually female-directed. So ready? There's a Wonder fantastic... Woman. Well, so here is female-based movies directed by men. There's A Fantastic Woman, Shape of Water, Atomic Blonde, 47 Meters Down, Girls Trip, Ingrid Goes West. Okay. Okay. Here are women-directed women movies. Molly's Game, Ladies, Lady Bird, uh-huh. Wonder Woman. The third Pitch Perfect came out. I think all three Pitch Perfects have been done by women. Yes. Uh, there's a movie called The Party, which was a French weird film. Um, on Body and Soul, which I, is foreign and I can't remember if it's Spanish or French. Anyways, um, Home Again and Rough Night. And then there's actually two movies that I could think of on the top of my head that were women directed, but mm. male leads, which was You Were Never Really Here in Detroit. Oh, I believe you. <laughs> okay. Detroit um, was popular. You were never really here. Is like a war vet movie that, for whatever someone was talking about the other day, is the only reason that I knew it. On Body and Soul is Hungarian, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I knew it was foreign. So like, she's like, there hasn't been a female-based project since Hunger Games, and I'm just like, these are the ones I can think of in 2017 alone. Of those, I think Wonder Woman is the only one that could really be considered project in terms of franchise material. Sure. Um, Pitch Perfect has three movies. Um, Pitch Perfect has three movies. That's true. Molly's Game, I think, is also based on a book. I um, I, I defer to your expertise on this one. It, it so. But so, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe like Project is in franchise. Sure, fine. Maybe not as much. I think Atomic Blonde is also something else before it was a movie, but I could be entirely wrong about that. But the fact of the matter is like. At the very least, Lady Bird, which is up for like a thousand nominations for Oscars, um, and Girls Trip and Wonder Woman should have been like the top three thought movies. I mean, Christ, Shape of Water 
is directed by a guy, sure, but it is in the movie where the lead woman and the lead man are both mute. And so thus, the voices of this movie are in a gay guy and a black woman in the 19-fucking-60s. Have you seen Shape of Water yet? Nope. Okay. I need to. Shape of Water. Yeah, I I know. It's it's Guillermo del Toro. um, Grinding Nemo is the way I've heard described. Oh, that is such a terrible way to describe it, but sure. (laughs) Sure. Um, So, I, I think... I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, I'm trying to hold back my comments until I have the totality right. of your thoughts on the interview. Oh, here's the exact quote. When, when have we had a brand new project that is female-based? Hunger Games was a retelling of Battle Royale. Hunger Games was not entirely original in it. And this is coming from someone who fucking loves Hunger Games. I was going to say, wait, was Lanny Serum repping for Battle Royale? Because that would have been... I'm not even entirely sure she knows it exists, but whatever. So then they started talking about the controversy. There were 769 articles about her in nine days. She claimed that nobody talked to her, but also that her phone was ringing off the hook. So whatever. Um, the New York Times has not responded to uh, the, tr- the amount of times that she's tried to talk to them about it. She basically wants to be added back to the list, but with a dagger, which says that we know that you inflated your sales, um, which is not uncommon. It happens frequently. Seriously? That's actually a thing? Yeah. So people will buy in bulk and you'll get something on it that says like, hey, we know you sold me this many this week, but we're also aware that it was bought in bulk so that like it's not necessarily representative of... Um, Individual sales. in the book. Yeah. Right. So then she goes to explain, which she has explained this controversy so many times. I don't really need to dive too deep into it, but basically she t- took her book sales and put them through different bookstores so that she can get on this list. Now she sits there and talks about how this happens in the music world. If you sell through, um, sorry, I have something on my keyboard. If you sell through, Comic cons and things like that, your book sales don't count. Fine. Completely agree. This is problematic. It's something that the world needs to, the book world needs to, you know, take note of and focus on. However, she pre sold her book for a year and from how it is understood, took those pre sales and dedicated them as if they are one week of sales and then said she did nothing wrong. She did not inflate her sales, that she did sell all these things. Cool. Not saying that she didn't necessarily sell all these things, but you took a year's worth of pre-sales. And compressed it into one week. Right. So, yeah, you fucked up. Like, stop acting like you didn't. You brought to light that something is wrong with the book world. Sure, fine. Nobody's negating that. Mm. But you didn't. This isn't a week by week thing that you went out and said, like, I sold this many pre-sales. You took a year and compressed it into a week. So... And then she starts talking about how people are going after her because she's claiming she sold so much at conventions that, like, are higher numbers than George R.R. R. Martin, for example, would sell. So she says something along the lines that, like, if George R.R. R. Martin showed up, he'd only be there for two hours while she's there at a convention for days, however many days, from mm. beginning to end. Fine. And that everybody already owns his book, so why would they buy his book again? And, like, 
having been at a book convention, I have bought books that I already own because that's how you are able to get things signed. Right. Like right. if you're, if you want your book signed by an author, but they have not put out anything new. You're going to have to buy a copy of the old book. Exactly. And then you give, you know, your copy that's not signed to someone else. Or if you're like me and you're like, mm, I don't like carrying these on the subway. You end up with two copies. It's not mm. a big deal. So again, not negating that she's actually probably selling things, especially now that she has books, but Stop trying to put yourself on. All I could think of this whole time is that she's talking about how she was pre-selling this book before she even had a cover. So she is in a booth with Thomasy and Nichols, which can you picture who that is off the top of your head? I keep thinking of Michael Ian Black Uh, for, 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 for the weeks that we've been doing this podcast. I just keep thinking of Michael Ian Black every time Thomasy and Nichols comes up. So there's like, what, a six or seven year difference between the two of us? Uh, yeah, about, So yeah. we grew up in a time where this this guy played a kid in King Arthur's Court, Rookie of the Year, eventually American Pie, whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah, Rookie of the Year is, um, okay, and Kevin Myers in the American Pie series. Yes, so she is presenting it as these people have grown up with this guy they come up to him in a booth and he goes, oh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is what I've been working on. Here's my next project. Do you want to, you know, pre-order this book? And all I could think of was like Thomas Ian Nichols was not my dude, but Devin Sawa was. If Devin Sawa was in a convention that I happened to be at and was like, hey, here's what I'm up to these days. My friend wrote a book. I'm going to be involved in the movie. Do you want to pre-order it after I've already gotten my signed picture of him or whatever? I would be like... I'm good. And even if he's like, no, 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 I'll sign it for you. I'd be like, I'm good, but I'm also super picky about books. So maybe that's just me. But like, if you don't even have a cover to show me. It's, it's an, it's an odd dynamic to describe. Um, it, it, it's just, and when she's like sitting there, like, of course, if as soon as someone asked for a picture, like of King Arthur's court to be signed, I knew that those were the people that I would be selling this book to. And I'm like, is it? Is a kid in King Arthur's Court really that much of a cultural touchstone? Honestly, I kind of forgot it existed until we started doing this podcast. Okay. Like, <laughs> that sounds about know. right. Did you know that there was a sequel, A Kid in um, Aladdin's Palace? Oh, no, I did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, um, it's possible I have um, uh, Thomas Ian Nichols' Wikipedia page open right now. <laughs> um, so, I don't... I, I am someone who is a huge book nerd and have books from conventions where like, did I know the author? No, but you know, I listened to them give their pitch. They had a free copy. So I bought another book. I've done that. But if you're sitting there and you're telling me I have have nothing to show me, you have no specs, you've got no reviews, probably at that point, not even on Goodreads. I'm probably going to be like, yeah, I don't believe your book's coming out next year, but when it comes out, I'll be definitely sure to check it out. Right. You're not going to sign up for a pre-order. Exactly. And especially assuming that she charged what was on the website, a $35 pre-order. But whatever. Like, if people did this, fine. Whatever. Um, so then she discussed why there were no arcs sent. And it was this huge, long deal about, like, how she sees her book as YA, how the book community doesn't. 
blah, 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 blah. We go back and forth on YA and new adult every episode and it's just fine. But the fact of the matter is there are people who, like I follow a woman on Goodreads. Uh, her name is Emily. I should find her information. Who is a big, like, is some someone that people, publishers send arcs to. Okay. And she does both YA and adult and nonfiction. And this is why I love her. Because, one, because it's really hard to find a reviewer that my tastes kind of really line up with. Mm-hmm. And she's one of the ones that I found out where, like, 90% of what she likes, I'm probably going to like. Um, so, you know, Lanny kept talking about how she was told that this book wasn't YA, which is why she didn't send out arcs to the YA world. But most of the big book reviewers, especially on Goodreads, like the top 20, you know, that you're going to find, cross over or do different genres. Like, none of them live in just one genre. So it's still not enough of an excuse to me. Like I get it. It's a small publisher. It was the first book you didn't know, but stop blaming the bullshit on the fact that nobody was claiming your book was YA. And that's why you didn't send it out. It's just, you don't know anything about the book world. Just don't up to it. Like, it also sounds like she's ascribing a lot more, uh, monolithic power to the community of people that do arc reviews on Goodreads. Um, which, seems like it would be more of a um not fractious community per se but she would be able to find someone who would exactly review the book i mean it eventually made it on to netgalley netgalley especially new people to netgalley you put it on netgalley you tell them they don't have to request it that all they have to like you can get this book now especially a new person to netgalley is going to eat that shit up like Hey, you got to build your NetGalley. For anybody that doesn't know, is a is a website that'll send you e-books for reviews. You have to put in your review, you know, receive from NetGalley for a review, um, and you have to have a review rating of eighty percent. And you can request books. So, like, a darker shade of magic went through this. Um, I had an entire list that I've completely lost off the top of my head, but a lot of newer authors go through this basically until you become someone who is known in the community, you know, like, um, like Angie Thomas is her first book. Uh, the hate you give went through NetGalley. her new one probably won't. And so a lot of indie publishers, a lot of self publishing and things like that, they'll go through NetGalley because it builds you having pre reviews. And it also does things like, you know, if your book ends up being problematic, like there was one that, you know, people read it and they're like, hey, this sounds really racist. Like this sounds like the white savior coming in to help the brown community and like big fucking no. The book got pulled, got rewritten. I think it got re-released. That was the end of that drama that I read up on. But, you know, it's, it's not that hard to find places to get your book reviewed, even if you don't know where your book lines up. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, NetGalley also has a new adult section. So, oh, by the way, you keep saying that nobody outside of, like, super serious book readers know what new adult is. NetGalley has that category, so you could have put it there just fine. Which I think is actually where it ended up when it ended up on NetGalley. So, 
whatever. Her next book will probably go through the reviews and stuff like that. But I just... This is a woman who doesn't seem to be a reader to me trying to write a book. Like one of the things that they tell you, like if you want to be a writer, is that you have to read. So you have to understand what you want to write. You have to understand the the ebb and flow of like what's popular and what's not and what's, you know, because if you're going to try to write a book, it's probably not going to be published for a few years. So if you're trying to write vampires in 2009 and, you know, gets published in 2013, everybody's sick of vampires. So it, it this reads like someone who wanted to get famous, tried to take a shortcut and it failed. Fine. So they then discussed the cover art, which I don't know if you and I have ever discussed. It's I, I've only picked up bits and pieces, but there is a, a plagiarism allegation. So have you seen the artwork that it apparently plagiarized? It was it came up on your Facebook feed. I haven't I haven't looked too closely beyond going. Yeah, that kind of looks the same. So she says she talks to multiple copyright lawyers and many artists and everybody tells her that she's fine that the only similar thing between them is how they're sitting. Um, Then she basically says that all comic artists copy each other and then says, look at Spider-Man and all the characters that kind of look like Spider-Man. And I went, you mean like Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl. There's another one that are all Marvel characters and thus owned by the same person. Because I cannot think of a Spider-Man looking character that Image does, that DC does. I think, and there are there are a handful of comic book artists that um, will trace their work, uh, and you can tell because it looks like it's been traced over something else. And they um, they always get a lot of flack for it. I am again looking it up right now because I don't want to get the uh, um the name wrong but um oh yeah i was right greg land um <laughs> there uh greg land pretty inf- infamously uh has traced from uh pornography uh over traced over pornography in photoshop to make it look like a um a comic book character so that's always fun so 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 like people who will borrow from sources like that get called out for it right um so apparently the whole thing was supposed to be an homage and that they were supposed to give thanks to the author and then forgot. Um, but that she doesn't believe that there is, that, that they look anything alike. Um, take with that what you will if you've seen the pictures. We should probably link them in the show notes. Probably, but that reminds, that would mean I'd have to actually remember to do that. Okay. Um, so then she's asked by my immortal, which I'm basically going to skip over because it was debunked months ago and has its own drama. Um, that blows my mind, by the way. <laughs> James is currently reading Harry Potter and learning the world of Harry Potter. And so did you know about my immortal before? Yes. Um, okay. Only in the context of it is a infamously bad fanfic. And right. the author outed herself because... Everyone thought Lanny Serum wrote My Immortal. And then the author of My Immortal was going to write a book about her experience as the person behind My Immortal. 
And then it all gets fuzzy. So basically she wrote, the, if I got this right, My Immortal was written in this like obscurely insane manner to be like a sign to her brother who apparently she got separated from that like she's okay or some shit and so it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a fucking numbers station transmission it was a, a kind of coded if i message. remember if i remember i didn't look this up again to go through because god it, it is its own rabbit hole um so basically like yeah it was a way to find her brother then she got to write a memoir that like coincidentally was about to be announced when all this happened anyways um the the book got pulled because her brother came out and was like we never got separated like i don't know what she's talking about but okay like have everything that she's saying is a lie so that is so okay okay where where does the where does the ironic enjoyment of my immortal fall on the okay spectrum? Because you have something that is purposefully written ironically in an insane manner by someone who is unironically actually crazy. Because you do not come up with stories about being separated from your brother and only being able to contact him via crack fic. She claims that it's real. It's that she, like, falsified one document to protect someone. And thus, when they found out that was falsified, it negated the truth of any of the documents. Despite the fact that the rest of the documents were true. I have no idea. Like, it is a rabbit hole that... If you're interested in, go down it. It is so much fun. And, um, yeah. Like, that was a crazy few days. So, so we're glossing over the fact that Lani Sarum did not write My Mortal, which everybody agrees to. Right. So she did not write it. Um, so then she ends her podcast episode talking about how, or claiming that most of the bad reviews are from people who haven't read the book or her people who read the preview of the book and are regurgitating everything. And that most people who write bad reviews have not read it. And thus most of the people who the good reviews are only ones that matter. Now, now I will interrupt you to say loyal listeners. I have technically not read all of this book and I promise you, I promise you that uh, we'll, we'll talk about chapter 16 when we talk about, chapter 16 but if something happens in anything in this book that makes me go wow this was actually a good book all along <laughs> i will admit to that on air so this it's 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 so funny listening to this today because actually it was hilarious listening to it monday um, because she talks about how it's just so shitty that all these people are writing all these fake bad reviews that didn't actually read the book and yet, and I noticed this last week, but again, when we couldn't record because we had already recorded because James was on vacation, so this is a little bit late news to everything, but Amazon, if you go on Amazon, Handbook for Mortals is suddenly a 3.1 out of 5 stars, and that is because between the dates of roughly February 12th through February 15th, 52 five-star reviews were added to Amazon. And I have a few of them for us to discuss. Now, the 
I have one that's very, very like, okay, I'll give you some of the shorter ones first, but there is one that are long one we have to go through. Well, okay, no, no, hold on. Let's, let's make a game out of this. Let me open up another porn mode tab. One second. Oh my God. Uh, Amazon.com. Handbook for mortals. Okay. Um, oh, 11, 11, 15, a hardcover. Um, there's also Handbook for Mortals Guidance for People Facing yep. Serious Illness. Um, Occasionally I accidentally pull that up. Um, yeah. Um, if you're reading either of these books, talk to your doctor. But definitely if you're... <laughs> custo- okay, what's really tragic is looking at the customers who bought this item also bought. Uh, some of them are clearly... Okay, there are organizational books, which I can understand, but one of them is How Healing Works. Get well and stay well using your hidden power to heal. The person who also bought that book clearly meant to buy the other handbook for mortals. (laughs) And so I hope that they're in a better place. Um, You mean like mentally and physically and not like metaphysically? Any and all places. (laughs) Okay. I've got mine entered. Uh, rated by customers interested in sports books, 3.1 out of 5 stars. Oh, I think it is 3.0. It is 3.1 for sports. You're right. Um, yep. I, customer I, I reviews. I 3.0 overall. Bunch of 5 stars, bunch of 1 stars. Um, right. See all in 57 customer reviews. Um, okay. Um, you pick one, and uh, we'll, we'll go over it together. We'll learn and grow as people. So... One of the, I kind of went through a bunch of them, but the first one I wrote down was from Mark Marshall. Okay. Okay. This is the only thing he's ever reviewed on Amazon. Handbook for Mortals is a thoroughly enjoyable read, though not though normally not a big fan of the genre as others on this site. I find myself I found myself drawn in by the characters, especially Zade on and her adventure. Highly recommend. I look forward to the motion picture. Okay. Generic enough, but okay. Yeah, man, there are an awful lot of Twitter eggs on this. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. It's, it is. This is this is fascinating. Some of them have a little tick mark next to them that say they're verified purchases, um, which for some reason that's not opening up on my, my browser window, but I, I don't know. Um... So, I'm not going to tell you how deep, I'll tell you off air, but just trust that I went down a deep, dark hole trying to look and find these things, and you'll see why in a minute. Okay. Um, so, another one is by R. Bergelin. Okay. Great read. Love it. Fine. Whatever. Yep. Victoria Christian. Great. 12 people found this helpful. Okay. Um, there's one that's just, hold on. Where is it? There's one that just says awesome. Oh yes. Jenny, 14 people found that helpful. Um, Jonathan Arnold, Arnold Amazing. 11 people found that helpful. My favorite review, the letter A. 15 people found that helpful. Now, I Mark, don't... go ahead. I don't know what goes into um, the 
process by which Amazon vets their reviews. And oh, as long as there is not any um, profanity or promotion of other work, they'll let you post it. Okay. Because I had to edit mine three times and basically finally just put a sentence that was like, I've almost read this twice, 16 hours of podcasting. I hate this book. My first one was almost, you can go to my actual blog to read it, but apparently there are some cuss words somewhere in there and I got too tired of reading my own work to find the cuss words to edit them out. So then we have Mark O, who is in Illinois, who is one of the few people who actually seemed legit and had other ratings of things besides just Handbook for Mortals in the past year. Um, Freaky stories are always cool in my book. This is no exception. It starts a little slow, but picks up pace and will have you begging for a slowdown before it's all over. Uh, reading all of these positive reviews by verif by actual verified purchasers, there's an awful lot of ticks that show up in a lot of the them. Um the complaint that the people who don't like the book didn't read it is common. Sure. There's a lot of people Heather who Heather from Tennessee thought it was good. Not sure why there's poor comments. Sounds like bots to me. Oh, man. Then there is the village of Elmwood Park, which I did not write down what they wrote, but it's the fact that it's the entire fucking village of Elmwood Park that apparently reviewed this, but okay. I'm really going to have to edit this down because it's almost 40 minutes and we haven't actually talked about the book. But there is one I want to point out. Lisa Hendricks. The review goes like this. I love this book. It's such a fun read. The characters are well written and the story is unique. I don't want to give anything away, but I love how the magician is tied to the story. She's a strong female protagonist. I love just that about, I love that about it, but it's, I love that about it. It's just a cool story. Okay. I can't wait to see what happens in the next book. And I'm stoked for the movies. The chapter is being based off a tarot card is always fun and if you're into tarot and magic this is your kind of book it's cool it's set in modern day i like fantasies but get overloaded with complicated lands and names and i really don't like dystopian dystopian fiction guys it's not a noun but okay <laughs> i don't i know there was this hubbub about it about if it is or isn't ya seriously who cares it's clearly meant for girls who are teenagers this continues on for like another four sentences so cool sounds like maybe she actually read it right well, if you Google Lisa Hendrick and Geek Nation, or Lisa Hendrick and, yeah, Lisa Hendrick and Geek Nation, she's the person who took the pictures of Lonnie Serum or Lanny Serum that are everywhere. Oh. So my running theory is that based on the few people who seem to have legit accounts that have reviewed other stuff, mm -hmm. is that Lanny either reached out to her music contacts or things like that. Mm -hmm. And ask them to review her book. All 52 seem bullshit. None of them give anything that proved that they read it. Only one, I think, was a verified purchase. One says Kindle, but it wasn't a verified purchase. So... Okay, yeah, and I just got to the explanation of what, what's an Amazon verified purchase review. So... Yes. Um, okay, huh. Yes. So, again, like says one thing does another won't stop won't leave anything alone and then just amused and exhausted by her the it, it's it's bad opsec to have all the positive reviews show up in such a short period of time 
uh, yes. because that draws attention to it. Um, if you but, go to her public page on Facebook, it also shows that she, on February 1st or 2nd or sometime early February, asked if people could go review her book. It's not there that it's, like, implied, like, hey, go leave fake positive reviews. But it's like, hey, if you read it, you don't have to be an Amazon purchase to go review it. But I'd like if you go review it. Which is which is totally fine. That's totally, totally okay. legit. Yep. But then to have 52 five-star reviews show up in a three- to four-day period... No, not okay. Not cool, Lanny. So, um, we actually read a chapter this week and think we did. Short. We did. We did. Now that we're out of the crypt keeping corner, um, yes. and this is a mercifully short chapter. Thank the maker. <laughs> um, it, it it's almost as if the author knew that we were going to have to have a bunch of time to talk about her um, extracurricular activities. And decided to, to, to give us a a short chapter that only functions as a lead in to the next chapter. So yep. we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, this was chapter 16, Justice. Justice. And this, unlike the last chapter, is you have to have actually read the chapter prior to it before you read this one for it to make any sense. Um, I read chapter 15 without reading chapter 14 and I just took it on faith that that was the <laughs> flow of the narrative. Uh, you can't really do that with chapter 16 and chapter 15. So, so, no. so, so good, good on the author for that. Um, as listeners will remember, uh, chapter 15 ended with, um, Lanny. Zade. Zade. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're not no wrong. Jury, jury, no jury would convict me. Um, Zade is in a coma. I know it's serious. Uh, said in a Morrissey impression. Or a Mojo Nixon impression. Uh, if you prefer the cover of Girlfriend in a Coma. Anyway, um, so she goes to the hospital and is taken out of the hospital by C.S. Lewis, who is her father all along. Um, and they, with Mac in tow medevac zade to centerville tennessee yes to to be with her mom who's the only person who can set things right uh Mac so is not, needed but we, they won't say why um yes. and they continue to not say why this uh, entire this wonderful chapter, chapter. Ugh. um okay so justice is one of those tarot cards that means something else in the Thoth tarot deck, which is the only one that I have a, a, a reference for. So let me see here. It is adjustment in the Thoth deck. Ahem, ahem, ahem. Oh, interesting. Yes. Adjustment or card number eight, formally justice, is that state of balanced equilibrium, harmony from stern judgment come, notions of order, laws emerge, to check the swelling human surge when cooperation seems to be our best survival strategy. In this crude limit she defines our... Or bleh. In the crude... In the crude limits she defines are civilization's first faint lines. Your species from its first decree starts taking itself seriously. This will bring problems, yes it's true, but hastens humans' progress too. With law, mankind chooses its way, the game that it intends to play. Making society their goal, your kind at last adopt a role. Ambitious, difficult, and meant to show their purposeful intent. They feel their course marked in red tape suits the more serious class of ape. So it is... Uh, 
civil society and social contract as way man distinguishes himself from the lower primates, um, which as so often is the case, doesn't really factor in to the events of actual chapter 16 yep. at all. Um, so we but... open up chapter 16 um, for the first time ever without a chunk. Well, probably not the first time, but a first time in a while, there's no time jump. It is immediately, we talked about how Mac is needed and he is still more puzzled as to why he could be needed. And now we are checking Zade out of the hospital. Right. Um, so Centertown, Tennessee is an actual place. Woodbury, Tennessee is an actual place. Okay. Is there an actual airport in Woodbury? No, there's not. (laughs) There's not an airport in Woodbury, Tennessee. Um, which may sound like a weird tick, but I work in aviation related things. So I was going to say, if you, if you insured the airport that, that, that they flew into, I would have laughed and laughed and laughed. I probably would have, would have done too, but there is an airport near Centerville, but like Woodbury's to the West airports to the East. Because okay. more than we'll, anything, we'll, I was curious if the airport was big enough to I'm, have I'm, a jet. So yeah, I'm 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 willing to give you enough credit to think that that is not what made or broke this book for you. No, 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 no. Okay, but it was very amusing to find out. All right, so they um they land in Woodbury, and um Zade's mom has her SUV, um. To meet her at the airport, which is just one runway in a tiny office. Um, and. Oh, that's right. This is all of this stuff is is third person omniscient because Zade is picking it out, picking it together after the fact or putting it together after the fact by means of sucking out people's memories. Yes. Okay. Which I think this chapter is the first one that shows that, like. Instead of having slasher vision be other people's point of view, assume everything is everybody's point of view. And when she is entering her own commentary, it is in slasher vision. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because I thought that that was just an editing error, but you're right. It does. I thought so too, but it happens a few times. Okay. It was just, well, I mean, still. It still could be an editing error. Editing or error. Who knows? Uh, so. oh, all right. So there's a, C.S. Lewis says that Mac knows that Charlie is um okay so i am not an it's always sunny fan at all uh-huh. uh the 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 i have i have rejected the show like a bad organ transplant but aaron aaron loves it and mac and charlie are two of the main characters on it's always sunny in philadelphia right and for this chapter, because it's just the two of them interacting for the most part, I kept thinking of it like it was an It's Always Sunny episode. The gang stars in a YA novel or something like that. I think um, that would have made it better. It absolutely would have made it better. Yeah, and <laughs> this is even me saying it. Um, so C.S. Lewis is like, yep, he knows. I told him recently. He kind of elides over the whole I told him so he would stop thinking that she and I were fucking. Um, yeah which like reading you know a couple other people's take on chapter 14 which is the chapter where max spies on her getting ready to kiss c.s lewis like everybody's how is incredibly uncomfortable with how much it appears that c.s lewis and zade are fucking 
Right, and it and it they keep doubling down on it because they because C.S. Lewis keeps being real fucking coy about it. Yes, like the incestuous, like we get it. Be incestuous. Stop being. Yeah. Right. So there's bullshit about how Charles always has a knack for knowing what Della meant, even though she was the one who could actually read minds. Okay, so we are now seventy four percent of the way through this book. At what point has it ever been fucking mentioned that her mother can read minds? Like, anytime she's been like, how's Zade doing? Is Zade okay? She's reading the cards, not minds. Nowhere in the first chapters, when she's leaving her mother, does it talk yeah, about I'm, how she's I'm flipping mind? through. I'm flipping through the first chapter right now. Um, Nowhere in any rant or conversation about her mother is there a discussion of, like, that she can read fucking minds. Yeah. Again, but there is, there, but there is, but it is, it is made, um, it is hinted at in the first chapter and made explicit in this chapter that while she may not be able to read minds, she can definitely control them, which we'll get to in a bit. Sure, she can read minds. It explicitly says oh, that's Della true. can read minds. Okay. Um, da, 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 um, so again, setting the stage. Yep. Zade is near death in her old childhood room. Mom and dad are seeing each other for the first time in 20-something years. And mom and dad, instead of worrying, like the summation of this chapter is, daughter's almost dying, mom and dad care more about each other than daughter. Now, nowhere in this chapter, and I'm not even sure if it'll come up in the next chapter, just by virtue of how this chapter ends, do 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 either Mac or Della sit or either Charles or Della sit Mac down and say, this is what's happening to Zade. This is what's going on. Does Mac even know Zade's a caster? Nope. Okay. Mac still has no fucking clue about real magic. Okay. Okay. We're going to tell him the long way in this book, basically. So again, she's pulling memories she finds Charles' memories very jumbled and anxious, but goddamn, they're all about how he is still madly in love with her mom. Now, okay, stick a pin in that. Stick a pin in that. Okay. Um. Um. There's um. Della still thinks C.S. Lewis is hot. Kind of a silver fox thing going on. Um. Uh, I'm very tempted to text my mother and be like, hey, how much were you thinking about my really hot doctor while I was dying in the hospital? You know, I I, I could riff on that, but that's not really my place to riff. But I I, 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 I hear you. It's, it's, it's a weird... It is a it, weird fucking vibe, is it not? It's, I mean, it's totally yes, weird. we, the reader, know that she's fine because, again... This is told from the perspective that she pulled fucking memories after the fact. Right. Which you cannot do if you're dead. Now, Or now, that it would be now. a discussion of how I died and everything became clear to what happened. Maybe, maybe, um, no, okay, I'm calling it. This is, this is, so, so, f- the, the entire book ends with Zayd dying and she comes back to life as a classic Dungeons and Dragons white, which listeners will remember has a level drain touch attack 
So she she Jesus. she wanders around and she she drains the experience points from the other characters in the novel and in doing so gains their memories. So that's what I think is going on here. I mean, um, this would have been done better if it was a, like I spent the next few days or not even like that like when I collapsed been... bleeding all over the floor, my soul drifted out of my body but was still tethered enough that I couldn't leave the room. So thus I could witness everything that happened now without, I, without being like, but obviously I'm fine. I, I will say this is, this is such a contrast and it blows my mind that I'm going to say it, but I, who am 50% of the way through the Harry Potter series, find, for the first time, for the first time, find this approach rather refreshing because if this were if this were a J.K. Rowling book, Zade would have swooned and then woken up in fucking Madam, fuck, who's the goddamn nurse? Madam Mumphrey or some shit? Madam Pomfrey. Madam Pomfrey. Yeah, she would have woken up in in a hospital bed at Madam Pomfrey's, and then Dumbledore would have info dumped the events Fine. of the past six chapters at her for for a hundred pages. We could have had the info dump. This could have been. So I actually prefer this to that. We least. could have had a chapter break and started from Max's point of view. Yep. Or Charles. Or Della. Any of the three. It did not... This could have been done better, but we are again focusing on things that happened in the last chapter because it is still ridiculous. So... And, 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 and yeah, like, it's... it's had, she, had she set up the multiple points of view early on, this wouldn't have even been an issue. She like did just, set up multiple points of view. She well, just right, did but, it in but, such but a there, bullshit way. But the multiple points of view were all focused on Zade. I mean, if, sure. she, if she had if she had a chapter where Mac was doing Mac stuff and Tad was doing Tad stuff and just, okay. just, 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 just set it up and then you have a couple chapters where it's just Mac and Charles. If only this entire book wasn't resol- revolving around one woman. You're okay. Right. D- yeah, fair point. Wrong wrong book to talk about that sort of thing. Do you want to know what really pissed me off? What really pissed you off? It reminded me instantly of corn, beef, and Dr. Brown's cherry soda. Now, Dr. Brown's cherry soda is a real thing, and it's perfectly acceptable cherry soda. Corn beef, however... Is not a sub? Is this it's what you're not, telling it's, me? It's, it's corned beef i mean maybe it's a tennessee thing and it's some weird no, corned beef it's like hybrid like a tomaco it's not um unless this is something they've invented since i've left the south it's not yeah yes tennessee infamous for its industrious scientific base you never know um i'm from the midwest i can get i can make those jokes folks um so yeah uh charles and Della keep flirting with each other while... He calls her Deli. Like, this is the reason the corned beef and Dr. Brown soda comes up. He calls her Deli. Yep. Her name is Della. Well, Deli I mean... is not a nickname. Now, now. It is okay. not a shortening of the name. Now, it's it's a term of endearment, though. And I did not bat an eye when... Fine. I did not bat an eye when um, Walter Nobody Bishop would book... refer to... Um, William Bell as Belly in French. So so Deli okay, Della but that makes to more Deli. sense. That is shortening of two names. Nobody in this book goes by their goddamn name. That's true. That's He's now true. Charlie. She's well, no, Deli. No. Charlie okay. and Deli. I'm yeah. sorry, Pop. 
Okay, good. He's not even coming out of yes. his Charlie the dog, however, <laughs> is, is... So, Charlie... Charlie's Char- real name is Charlie, so... Okay, yeah. Charlie's ranked. You've got Charlie the dog, uh, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in, in, in Philadelphia. Um, and, and again, okay, now that C.S. Lewis has spent all that time establishing to Mac and the reader explicitly that... He is not fucking his daughter. But, Deli, our daughter has become a beautiful young woman, which is 100% the thing you say when your daughter is probably dying. Is Exactly. It's like, I I don't know, she's kind of got this hot consumptive thing going on. (laughs) She's as beautiful as her mother as well. This is about to get incestuous involving the mother, too. I'll get to that in a second. But it's, 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 again, you're right. Like, this whole entire conversation, this whole entire chapter is like, your daughter is dying. Your okay, daughter the, is fucking dying. And, and, so, Del, Della, I, I, again, Adventure Zone on the brain. I keep wanting to mention Della Reese, but it's. it's <laughs> no, but probably De- who she's named for, honestly. Deli, um, says no means no to Charlie and reminds everybody, including presumably the reader, we are all only here for her sake, which is as close as this novel comes to a thesis statement. Oh my God. You have skipped far ahead. Charles and Della confess their love for each other. And then there is the line about uh, no, how. D- yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I so- still love you. Della happens after. I, I I skipped ahead a little bit. Oh, it's, I see it, where you're seeing the no means no. Sorry. Yep, yep, I was yep. thinking that was much later. Nope, nope, nope. Um, yeah, I still love you, Della. Again, and the reason I'm not skipping over that is because I really want to talk about this bit. Um, she'd always been a head turner for sure, and beyond that, you j- couldn't deny she was just one of those women that man just can't resist b- falling for. Beyond the physical, she turns their souls to, I guess. Incestuous mom moments. But, like... My mother is physically beautiful. I guess she's okay on the inside too. But but at the same time, with what she's talking about, like is is Della passively exerting mental control over those around her? Because because remember in chapter one where where Zayn oh, yeah. is talking about how you know like it's it's heavily implied that that Della put the whammy on on Zayn and keep kept her from leaving. But it's honestly, it's... I'm to the point where I almost cannot keep any spoilers because we've entered the territory of like things are spiraling and and it gets crazy. Yeah. But but yes, Della basically can control situations. Okay. Um, and read minds. Yep. And Charlie, we aren't even going to discuss it right now. Our daughter is dying. Um. What does she say no to? By the way. Um. Charlie is trying to get his swerve on. Um. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh God. Um. Sh- uh, I keep reading this and it keeps getting grosser. She's <laughs> as beautiful as her mother as well. Charles says no. Charlie says Della. It was a soft no, which definitely is not a thing oh my god sure it is think of it as leaning your foreheads against each other as you gently say no like you're wanting to resist but you're unable to resist as a cis het (laughs) guy 
I am I I I I am I am never going to go wrong assuming that there's just one no and it's a no. Oh, for the record, yes. Whatever she's saying no to, he should back off. But that is what right. I think is implied by this soft no. Well, okay, and setting aside the whole no means no thing, his 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 counter thrust <laughs> is to talk about how hot Ooh. you know she yeah. She's she's hot like her mom was. Nah. No, she's really hot. <laughs> Quick and defensive. No, no, I no, yeah, that's what it yeah, says. She, yeah she's hot, but but that's not what I'm talking about. You know, yes, our dead our dying daughter is hot, but that's we'll but set I that can't aside resist for now. You. Our, again, this poor woman is dying. They have sent away her doctor to be like, hang on, we'll talk to you in a second. You're her fucking dad? What? Ugh. And now it's like, no, yes, our really hot daughter is dying, but I can't resist God, her. yeah, she is really hot now that you mention it. God, but she's no, so but no. hot. Um, and then it's like, okay, yeah, no, she's actually dying, so we probably should stick a pin in this. I have some other like, things I need to prepare. Why was this set in Tennessee? Like, all the incestuous jokes, all, like, they're all there because you put this in the fucking South. Um... I would say that you could set this anywhere and this interaction would be no less creepy, but agreed. But adding that the fact that they're in the fucking South. Um, so yeah, the other things that she needs to prepare is Deli needs to have a crygasm on the, the floor. Which um, I am all down for. You should always, if you, you should, the, yeah. the thought of something bad happened. I have to cry about it. I've gotten my crying out. Time to get yep. shit done is very much my philosophy in life. Yep. And uh, Charlie and Deli uh, hug it out. And then... Um, Do they kiss Deli... it too? Pardon me? Do um, they only hug? They only hug. It will they be okay, hug. my love. It will. I have faith in you. And then she returns. I His love hug. you too. Uh, so... Delhi returns to a favorite saying of hers, this brief fucking aphorism that I will quote at length. It's okay to fall apart for a moment, but then dust yourself off and get back on your feet and get back in the game. End quote. So like this woman is supposed to be very hippy dippy, new age, magic, tarot reading. You think she's going to reference something that involves sounding like sports? Maybe she plays Quidditch. Look, just because you're reading Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm just waiting so I can finally watch the episode, the Saturday Night Live skit where um, Lindsay Lohan is Hermione after oh, the growth God. spurt. God. Rachel Dratch is Harry Potter is brilliant fucking casting. That is amazing casting. Anyways, I've seen that skit several times. I, I haven't. Um, I feel like so, I should give you the world's longest Harry Potter fan fiction too. You it's know, so good. It's a better ending, in fact, than the actual series. But we are my first that. exposure to modern fan fiction was a Harry Potter fanfic. That's because um, Harry Potter fanfic's the best. I, 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 I. It was Snape, Draco, oh. Lovecraftian. I remember oh. that tentacles were involved in like a lake monster. Okay. I that might be true. I didn't write the fucking thing. I, well, no, because you're just not reading Harry Potter. Yeah. Um. So okay. So she crygasms and 
she has to explain to Mac what he has to do. And again, I, I, I would, yeah, I'm going to have to ask Aaron to turn this into an It's Always Sunny episode because I know that she could. Um, I, I really can't. Um, Mac, the voice of reason, as he so often is, we're usually on Team Mac in we these are, situations. As long as he is not being aggressively an asshole and borderline abusive, we're typically on Team Nobody's Telling Mac Shit. Yep, and so he finally... Now, this is a conversation that could have taken place on the plane. Sure. Um, he could have asked. So did they just like sit in silence on the plane or who fucking knows? So Mac finally asks, what can you do? Della Reese that her doctor at the hospital (laughs) couldn't. Um, and Oh Christ. There are still two and a half pages to go in this chapter. So Uh, yes, she went from a tearful, upset woman to her perk, instantly perked up i don't i think perked is the wrong word there but you know i would not use the term perky in any context in which someone is waiting around to hear the death rattle of their child exactly um so they decide that my child is dying and to explain to you that i have magic i'm going to start to explain it by telling you how charles and i met because for whatever reason, it's relevant. And next chapter, we can discuss whether or not we find it fucking relevant or not. Um, but yes. Um, so Mac is asking the questions that we've all been asking. Uh, what, the, what the fuck? Well, what the fuck is, is, <laughs> is primarily, the question, you know. Um, uh, yeah, and... Does she have a rare disease as discussed, which, you know, whatever. Um, There's a very long discussion of their fucking kitchen furniture, how it doesn't match. By not matching, it makes them all kind of match. And it's their style and their uniqueness and their taste. And it's their life. And oh my God, it is obnoxious. Um, So we find out that. Della and Charles were both part of a touring show in the 70s. Uh, yes. I was barely 18 and Charlie was almost 21. Now, I, I, I'm trying to see if the dates work. Um, I think they were part of the Rolling Thunder Review, uh, the Dylan. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, let me let me check the dates on that. And Waldman was uh, part of that, too. Yeah, OK. Um, 57, uh, 75 and 76. So it is quite possible that they were part of the Rolling Thunder Review. That uh, is quite possible. So, uh, um, he was the main attraction on the circus. She was just a silly card reader. Yeah, like, cool. So Charles was hot back then. She was, you know, again, your daughter is dying. You yep. decide who tell this very long story and like again i get it from the standpoint of a movie this is going to be a flashback right uh anyway as i was saying and yes that's it that's the end of the chapter because he called her a silly card reader and she bristled and i hate it i hate it so much we only have we only have a few more chapters to go oh thank god um We'll have plenty of time before the movie comes out. 
Oh, yes, because we're going to have to figure out either if the movie is going to, if there's going to be another book before, because there's been no mention of book two, um, or what we're going to do about, like, with this podcast after that. But we've got, um, we just finished 16, so we've got, what, five chapters left? Yep, a little over, a little under 100 pages to go. Are we going to want to, um, oh, wait, no, chapter 21, I keep forgetting. I feel like there there's a there's a chapter that's the chapter there beginning. is but it is distinct chapter 21 is a chapter in and of itself and then it says if you'd like to know more check out this preview. oh yes that's right oh and it is supposed to come out in 2018 so okay as far as we know it's coming out this year so honestly we're so close to the book it's kind of obvious where the next chapter is going but do you want to give your your side um, what you think is going to happen uh there is a Tales from the Crypt story. Um, I think it was adapted from the um, into the TV show, but I'm not sure. Uh, I definitely remember the the comic version of it, where uh, it turns out that the Crypt Keeper, uh, your old pal Crypty himself uh was born of two freaks in a um oh yep lower birth lower birth was indeed adapted uh into a tv series so i'm going to assume that the next chapter is just the tales from the crypt uh story lower birth yeah exactly in in (laughs) novelization it's a really good tales from the crypt too um so yeah that's 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 my guess is it's it's tales from the crypt but we'll see interesting um i gotta say i am i am positively energized at this book being so close to being done (laughs) we will probably finish it before summer hits indeed indeed um okay so uh oh we get to talk about stuff that we like yes um so so what's something that you like so, something that I've liked that I've encountered this week is that I finally remembered um, that I subscribed to Ono, oh Ross, and Carrie, um, which I put aside when they started doing their Flat Earther um, episodes because I wanted to binge all of them at once. So today, I binged all of their Flat Earther series, um, which is about five episodes, so about a five-hour-long podcast chunk. And, oh boy, if you don't listen to Ono, oh Ross, and Carrie, they take things and then research them and try to experience them. So like they went through the process of learning how to become Mormons. Um, They went and studied Scientology. Um, This one is flat earthers. So they went to meetings of flat earthers, trying to understand like why people think this, what's the science behind it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Highly recommend the podcast. But if it's a very, you know, big backlog, at the very least, listen to their Flat Earthers because, holy shit, those people are some interesting people, to put it nicely. Um, so, um, as has been mentioned, um, I've been reading a lot of Harry Potter. Uh, but you've probably made your decision on whether or not you're going to read Harry Potter or not. Um so I'm going to recommend um, a couple of things. Uh, the thing that I did in San Francisco the most often was 
buying books, uh, unsurprisingly. And I wound up buying a lot of local poets uh, without knowing that they're local. Um, In my lap right now is the first volume of Jack Hirschman's The Arcanes, which is like a 2,000 page long epic poetry cycle, which is amazing. And um, I can't necessarily recommend that. Uh, but I can recommend a book by a guy named David Brazil. Uh, it's, he's, he's also a California poet and it's called the ordinary and check it out. It's really pretty. It's almost, but not quite like, uh, a a human or blackout poetry, and it very much benefits from the physical artifact because certain pages are typed, certain pages are handwritten, there are illustrations. Um, I'll, I'll hold up a page. So, Oh, that's really cool. Yep. That is so uh, much, such podcast excellence right there. Yeah, exactly. Trust me, it's really cool. Um, so yeah, go to, go to a used bookstore, check out their poetry section, grab something that looks cool, and read that. Um, it will help inoculate your brain against things like Handbook for Mortals or Flat Earthers. <laughs> so, um, go ahead. No, I don't know what I was going to say. Um, I think that is kind of it for this week. Uh, uh, where can people find you? People can find me also at uh, Over the Tabletop, a podcast at Over the Tabletop uh, podcast, uh, Libsyn, Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc. Um, this episode, we actually reviewed a game that has a Kickstarter going on for its expansion. So it was a nice, weird capturing the zeitgeist. Cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, f- I am also... Uh, participant on a Facebook group for this podcast, which I will let Megan talk about because you named the dang thing and I can never get it straight. Oh, a handbook for fail. Yeah. A handbook for fabulous retelling. No. Retellings. Nope. Okay. A handbook for judging fabulous retelling covers. Okay. That, um, where else can they find you? Uh, Aside from unpacking that. If you unpack that, you'll find that I host two other podcasts on top of this one. The first one being Judging Book Covers podcast, where we just did our episode on Wrinkle in Time, um, which came out yesterday. So if you want to keep hearing my voice, go back and listen to that. Fabulous Retellings is currently on hiatus while we get ready for our Bluebeard season, uh, which will be starting, I think, early March. Um, But you can go back and listen to our first four seasons and the fairy tales there. Um, so yeah, join the Facebook group if you want to. It is a closed group, so you can come and chat with us and discuss different parts of the chapter if you would like. And, uh, you know, not everybody in the world can see it, only if they're a part of the group. Um, if you want to send us comments, you can find this podcast specifically on Twitter at Handbook Podcast. I'm fairly chatty on there with a couple of our listeners. Uh, we also have an email, which is handbookpodcast at gmail.com and we have a Facebook page that basically just serves to update when we uh, add new episodes so um, go check out all of those um, yeah huzzah I think and we're that, good for this weekend I'm we, reading this 11 page acknowledgement section uh, well we'll save that for when we get to it um, <laughs> so yeah uh, until next time uh, yep keep circling the tapes
That might be the first time you've not said your name, I think, the entire episode, James. Oh, I'm James DeBrooker. (laughs) Talk to you next week. Bye.